Good morning. Good morning. I want to welcome all of you this beautiful Labor Day Sunday morning here to St. Paul's United Methodist Church. We welcome all of you who are here in the sanctuary, and we want to thank you all for continuing to wear your masks during this time when Tulsa County is still in the high-risk category for COVID. This is one of the ways that we can follow Jesus' command to love our neighbor. And I want to welcome all of you who are worshiping with us through via technology. We are so glad you've chosen to join us this morning. It would help us a lot if, while you're watching, if you could like or leave a comment uh, so that we would know that you were worshiping with us. Um, and I forgot to say, my name is Memory Stuns, and I'm a member here, and I am today's liturgist. So, uh, with, without further ado, we will turn this over to Kathy, who is back. Oops. Okay, we're going to wait just a minute while she gets her mic. And we're so grateful to see her back walking. Yay! Put it over here. The, for those of you that don't know, I just returned after having hip surgery three weeks ago. I am much more mobile than I was, but the one thing that you can't do for a while is bend over and get things. So I had a grabber that I could pick things up with. Except if you drop your grabber. <laughs> so I had to call Michael and say, Michael, can you find me a grabber to pick up my grabber? So uh, thank you all for being my grabber on that. It truly is a joy to be back with you. I had <coughs> visions of being <coughs> gone for a week and then working from home for a week and then being in the office last week. I had visions of planning and dreaming and connecting with God so that I could see visions of where St. Paul goes. Yeah, it didn't happen. <laughs> I realized I didn't have much energy, but uh, that's okay. Um, you all have done so much of that for me. Those are my only announcements. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, we do indeed give you thanks for this very day. God, we give you thanks that you called us to this place at this time, whether it's here in the sanctuary or through the gift of technology, you called us to be community. So God, we ask that you just open our hearts and prepare us for this time because we know wherever we are, you are there. So we just ask that you help us be present to you so that when we leave this place today, we leave transformed because we have indeed experienced the risen Christ. Amen. St. Paul's United Methodist Church welcomes, affirms, and extends our love to all persons, regardless of age, ethnicity, income, nationality, life experiences, abilities, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. All are welcome into our family. Good morning. Join me in the spirit of prayer. Holy One of the Cross, 
You call us to follow you. And we mouth a yes and we nod an okay, but do we understand what you've asked us to do? That we're to love you more than others? Some say that cross is too heavy. And still you compel us to follow, knowing that this cross is too heavy for us to carry alone. You remind us to count the cost of discipleship. So we pray that you would guide us as we follow you. Holy One, hear our prayers. Sometimes, O oh God, we squirm and say that the cost of discipleship is too great and the sacrifices too numerous. The way you ask us to live is often countercultural and makes us uncomfortable in many spaces. Sometimes we lose friends or even family members as we try to follow you in your holy ways. The cross you ask us to carry is not nearly as heavy as the cross you carried for us. And nevertheless, we complain when you listen. We search for an easier alternative and you watch us. And yet you remind us to count the cost of discipleship. So we pray that you would guide us as we follow you. Holy One, hear our prayers. God, though we are grumbly and easily discouraged, help us to admit when we get frustrated by the enormity of discipleship. And when we do, we pray that you would extend grace and mercy toward us. Wrap us inside your unconditional love and patiently compel us to follow you again. And all of God's people said, Amen. Our scripture this morning is from Luke 14. It's at a time when Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem. And uh, he's been traveling that way for quite some time. Remember, he stops in cities and villages on the way to preach and to teach and to heal. And his teachings cause people to think about what is the kingdom of God? What does that look like? And it often shows how different the kingdom of God is from our culture today. Friends, I invite you to stand for a reading of the gospel um, as you are able. I will be reading from Luke 14, 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus Turning to them, he said, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children and brothers and sisters, yet even one's own life cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you have enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you have laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's that person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers should go up against the 20,000 coming against him? And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative to discuss terms of peace while his enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling 
to give up all your possessions may be my disciple. Ouch. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. I invite you to be seated. Will you go with me to God in prayer? Oh, gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For indeed, you are our rock and our redeemer. And God, at this time, I ask that you help me to step back. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word, not mine, that is heard. Fill me with your spirit so that it is your word that comes back to us throughout the week that causes us to ponder and think so that it is your word, not mine, that leads us to transformation. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Every time I read this scripture, I think of what would happen to church growth if this is what churches used to entice people to come and visit. Ready to hate your mother and father, even your spouse and children? Then come to St. Paul's United Methodist Church and we will hate one another together. Or looking for something new? Well, sell everything you have. Give it all up and come be a part of this spiritually rich but financially desolate community called St. Paul's United Methodist Church. Nope, this passage is not the feel-good, come-to-Jesus scripture that we like to hear. That's why I chose the reading from the Psalms as our first scripture reading, because it shows us how intimately God knows, and it shows us God's depth and compassion for us. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I know very well. You see, friends, that scripture makes me go, ah. Oh. But the one that I just read from Luke, <clears throat> it causes me to ask, really, Jesus? Really? Is that what you want me to do? And for some churches that insists that to be a true follower of Jesus, you must take everything in the Bible literally and apply it to face value, I find myself wanting to ask the pastors, so you really hate your spouse and your children? And that fancy car you drive and that big house you have, those really aren't yours because you have no possessions? No, friends. As we read scripture, it's important to remember that Jesus often talked in hyperbole, bigger than life, exaggerated claims that were never intended to be taken literally. And remember, translation had an influence. Jesus spoke Aramaic or Hebrew, and then that was translated into Greek and then into English. And so the exact meaning often gets lost in the translation, and the translation doesn't always make sense. You see, friends, the Greek word meseo that we have translated to mean hate doesn't always mean hate as an intense 
dislike. Another translation of miseo means to love less than, to have a preference for the other. You see, it's a term that is ordinal. It is always used in relationship of one thing to another. You see, I can't believe that Jesus was saying, have an intense dislike for your family. Have an intense dislike for your life. That goes against everything that Jesus had said and lived. No, I think what Jesus was saying was that if you really want to be my disciple, if you want to walk in my ways, you've got to love God more than anything else. Yes, by all means, love your family, love your friends. By all means, create a life that you absolutely love. But love God even more than those things. Jesus is saying that you are, if you are going to come to me, make my ways your ways. Make God first. Love God the most. He's not asking us to hate anyone. And although there are some that clearly hear God tell them to sell their possessions, for most of us, to be honest, God doesn't care about our possessions unless we put them above God, unless our accumulations of our possessions make us lose sight of following Jesus, and unless our possessions keep others from having what they need. And friends, look around. In our culture, possessions often come before God. It's the same with our family. Jesus isn't saying, turn your back on them. He's saying, don't put them or anyone else above God. Don't let your family, don't let your friends, don't let your job pull you away from God. So you may ask, why is he telling them now? Remember, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's going through the village, and the people are amazed by him, and they're in awe. They are seeing this man named Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit doing miraculous things. He's healing, and he's teaching, and he's standing up to the religious leaders. They have never seen anyone like him before. He is a celebrity in their midst, and he's following them. Our scripture started out with <clears throat> large crowds were traveling with him. Yes, sometimes people walked with him from one village to the next just to be part of the crowd, just to be part of the excitement, just to get a glimpse of him and maybe get the inside scoop on this man named Jesus. And then when they got to the next village, they turned around and they went home. And you see, I think Jesus must have known that many in that large crowd weren't really in it for the long haul. They were just wanting to be part of the action while it was in town. They want to be able to say, hey, I was there. I walked with Jesus to the next town. I was there. I was with Jesus for the fun part. Now Jesus knows what's ahead of him, and he knows it's not going to be easy. So he's telling them, if you really want to follow me, if you really want to learn from me, 
then it's going to be more than sitting around a campfire roasting s'mores and singing kumbaya. There are times when it's going to be hard. Jesus is saying, I don't want to paint a picture of discipleship as all sunshine and a bed of roses. It's going to be hard. I want you to know before you start what you're getting into. But he's also telling them, no one, no one is going to force you. It's your choice. And I wonder how many people made the choice to turn around and go back home when they found out that Jesus was asking them for a commitment. I wonder how many thought, no, I just want to see the miracles. I just want to see the healing. I just want to hear the good stories. But I don't want to do anything myself. I don't want to change my ways. I don't want to think about what is best for the community. I don't want to have to think about giving up something I want for others to have what they need. And I don't want to let others have this good life that I have. You may remember in Deuteronomy, in chapter 30, God, through Moses, says to the people that are wandering through the desert and they're getting close to the promised land, and God says to them, I have laid it all out before you. The good, the bad, the blessings, the curses. I've laid it out before you, life and death. Which will you choose? And then God follows up with, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. In other words, choose life, not just for you, but for the people that will come after you. And friends, those words for, are for us today as well. Choose life. Choose life, meaning choose a way of life that reflects God's goodness, God's mercy, God's love, and God's forgiveness. Choose life as God has set before us, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of generations to come. Choose life as the one who is committed to following the ways of Jesus. Choose life so that not just you may have abundant life, but so others will as well. Yes, I think that crowd might have thinned a bit if this morning's scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, was all they knew about discipleship. Today's scripture is a tall order when it stands by itself. But oh, there is so much more. In some ways, our scripture this morning feels like Jesus is saying, don't even think about joining me if you're not ready to give 100% right here and now. But in the very next chapter of Luke, we read three powerful stories of being lost and then being found. And I don't know about you, but that has been so much of my spiritual journey. Committed 100% and then pulling away, turning my back on God. But God kept looking for me and pulling me back. 
You see, friends, that's that wonderful thing called grace. It's not in our scripture today, but it is what is showered upon us when we least expect it. That grace that keeps pulling us back to God and helping us grow in our discipleship, especially when it gets hard. That grace <clears throat> that transforms us though that we truly can choose life, that we can choose to follow Jesus even when it's hard. And we don't hear about grace and God's unwavering love for us in this passage, but it's what Jesus has been teaching as he has gone from town to town. And friends, let's be honest. We can't follow Jesus. We can't be committed without first accepting that grace, that love, that mercy, and that forgiveness that is showered upon us. Because those are the transforming elements that give us what we need to follow Jesus. When our culture, when our culture keeps trying to lure us away from following Jesus to a me first attitude. Yes, Jesus is clear in this scripture. Following in the footsteps of Jesus is not easy. Yet friends, have you noticed? Jesus never, ever, ever says, go out and do it on your own. Jesus' call is always a call to community. You see, that's why we're baptized in, our, <clears throat> in the church. We're baptized with our church family present to remind us that we're not on this journey by ourselves. That's why we are baptized. When we're baptized, the congregation makes the commitment to help us grow in our faith and in our love for God. Following Jesus, my friends, was never, ever meant to be a solitary journey. For the last three Sundays, I have given thanks for the gift of technology so that I could join you in worship from my home. But I have to admit, it wasn't the same. Because we gather on Sunday mornings to help lift one another up so that we can look around and see that others are going through so many of the same things that we are, so that we can be inspired by their faithfulness and take their outstretched hand when we need help. We gather to be reminded that we are the body of Christ and that together we help usher in God's kingdom to our community. We gather to hold one another up in prayer, to offer a smile or <clears throat> of encouragement or to share our stories. We gather to simply say, it's good seeing you this morning. Friends, I missed that the last three weeks. And I have to say that although the preaching was amazing and inspiring and the music was uplifting, but without a doubt, the favorite part of my service, as, as, of the service, as I watched from home, the part of the service that made me think, oh, yeah, now I've been to church. It was when we said the Lord's Prayer. Why? Because I could hear your voices. I could hear your voice and I could hear my voice and even through distance they blended together. 
It was through the Lord's Prayer that I knew that we were connected. And friends, that is such an important part of our Christian journey, to walk with others on this road to follow Jesus. Now, no matter how connected I might feel at times to God, I know that for me, without community, without my church family, my spiritual growth would stagnate. But I'm inspired by you. Your faithfulness never ceases to amaze me. And I can feel that holy space when two or more are gathered in my name. Our community of faith helps me to be able to say, today, today I choose life. Today, on this day, because of our community, I choose to follow Jesus. Now friends, that doesn't mean we all have to sell our possessions and live in a monastery, but it does mean living in a way that reflects the ways of Jesus in all that we do in our spending habits, in how we treat others, in the things that we stand up and fight for, in the priorities of our life, and yes, even in the way we exercise our right to vote. Friends, picking up our cross and following Jesus isn't a choice that we make just once in our life. It's not even a choice we make every morning. It is a moment-to-moment choice. It's a choice to make God and Jesus' ways our priority, to love God more than life itself. And remember, it's not that gushy, feel-good, warm, fuzzy love on our heart. No, to love God and love neighbor means our actions. I love the way that John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, I love the way that he summarizes discipleship. He makes it so easy. He refers to it as the three simple rules. It's discipleship in a nutshell. First, do no harm. Do no harm to others. Do no harm to yourself. Do no harm to our environment. Do no harm to creation. Don't make the world worse than it is. And the second, do good. Do good. Actively do things each day to make the world a better place. Now, my friends, it doesn't have to be earth-shattering because those little things we do to make the world a better place add up. And then the last one, which is just as important as the first two, stay in love with God. Stay connected. Remember to say thank you to God often, to notice the wonders that are around you, to pay attention to all the ways that God shows up in your life, in the everyday mundane things, and stay in love with God. My friends, John Wesley's three simple rules are a wonderful end-of-the-day reflection. Did I cause harm today? If I did, ask for What good did I do in the world today? And give thanks that God used you at that moment to bring good to the world. And then find ways at the end of the day to ask yourself, did I stay connected? Did I see God in my world today? Friends, I invite us 
as this amazing, wonderful community known as St. Paul's United Methodist Church to take up our cross and to follow Jesus even when the road becomes difficult because I am confident, I am confident that when we follow, Jesus is going to continue to lead us on a grand adventure. May it be so. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother to us all. Amen. What a joy, what a blessing, what a privilege it is to be in community, to walk on this journey together. So leave this place today knowing that if you choose to accept the invitation to follow, God's going to give you everything you need. So leave this place. Do no harm. Do good. And friends, let's stay in love with God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.